Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who loved the new Drake album, Brandon Siegel. How you doing? Look, I'm I'm doing absolutely wonderful. This Drake and 21 Savage album has just been... I don't know whose loss it was, but it's her loss. You know, like, she, she lost. All right, she did not win. You know, they, they broke... Someone broke up with them, but she's broke and they're up. All right, so... I don't know what went down with that album. I don't know what they decided to mix up, but it's gold. It is it is pure bliss of an album. I absolutely loved it. Um, it was just phenomenal. I mean, I, I, I don't know what there's... I was telling you before the podcast, I think it, this one's better than Views. Or better... It's the best album since Views. It's definitely not better than Views. Uh, not many albums will touch Views. But it is a very good album. If you haven't listened, highly recommend you go listen. It is a, just so, so great. And, and Trevor, I feel like you, you share at least mostly the same sentiment. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I mean, the last couple albums, or last uh, last four, four maybe, have been a little, you know, it's like, all right, you know, little maybe disappointing, but this one was really good. Um, and yeah, and like you said, I, I liked it a lot. I think there were a lot of great songs. Yeah, 100%. But look, we, we got an action-packed episode this week. Um, this is just one of those weeks. I feel like Trevor, every once in a while, we get a ton of stuff going on in sports. And it's almost random. I feel like this is time of the year is, is you know, the time where, like, it makes the most sense because there's so many sports going on. Um, you know, we, we got, obviously, the NFL, college football. We have the NBA going on. We have college basketball starting tomorrow as of a recording this episode, which I didn't even know it started tomorrow. That's insane. Um, we had the, the World Series that just ended. Uh, congrats to the Astros. So it, we got a lot going on right now. Um, and we got a lot we got a lot to talk about in this episode. So let's uh <clears throat> excuse me, let's start off with uh, a little bit of college football here. And we had uh, an interesting week in college football. A lot of big upsets we had. I guess you call this an upset, I don't know. Georgia beat Tennessee, that's a big game. Uh, we saw Notre Dame take down Clemson, uh, by and it wasn't even close, thirty five fourteen. LSU uh, you know, winning thirty two thirty one in overtime. Uh, just a phenomenal game there. We had Texas beating Kansas State. Uh, we had the garbage green team from Michigan beat Illinois. Uh, we, we had Kansas beat Oklahoma State. Uh, Pittsburgh beat Syracuse. So we had a lot of upsets and a lot of big upsets. The the top you know five or six are going to be shaken up quite a bit with Alabama losing, Tennessee losing, and Clemson losing. Um, so Trevor... I, I, I don't know what game you want to start with, but what, what game do you want to start with? <laughs> well, we have to start with the headliner. The headliner, and it, it, it's not Georgia and Tennessee like we might have thought it was going to be. It's Alabama-LSU game because uh, LSU won the game in overtime. They went for the two-point conversion. I mean, gutsy call there by Brian Kelly, and they get the two. They win the game 32-31. Obviously, you know, we, we got the field storming with LSU. Um and LSU wins the game. And Bama, they now have two losses. They lost to Tennessee a couple weeks ago. They lose here again. And now Alabama, which we have known throughout, I don't know, the last, what, 12 to 15 years of our life has been this dominant team. And it seems like they might not make the college football playoff now. I mean, I don't know what their path is back. <laughs> I don't know if there is one, right? So Alabama looking like they're likely not in the college football playoff, which is a very, which is a rarity. I don't know when the last time it, it was that they didn't make, uh, or may, maybe there isn't a year where maybe they've made every single college football playoff. I don't, I don't know, but they've been very dominant and LSU beats them. So huge game. I think we should start there. 
and then, as always, the uh, aficionado of court storming, field storming, whatever you want to call it, uh, the crowd going crazy. I think we should go to you to talk a little bit about this game. Yeah, I mean, it was a great game, and I think it's one of those things I was talking to somebody this morning about. For whatever reason, Alabama just isn't the Alabama that, that, that we're used to seeing. They have a lot of weaknesses on defense that we're not used to. Bryce, uh, yeah, Bryce Young, is that his name, right? Bryce Young, yeah, sure. Bryce Young mm-hmm. isn't playing as well as he has been. Now, he's been hurt, and I do think that that, is, that, that injury is still lingering at least a little bit because he just hasn't looked like the you know the preseason you know, reigning Heisman Trophy winner that we, that we expected to see this year. But you know, credit to Brian Kelly and LSU. I, I think after the last couple of years with LSU, you know, obviously you have possibly the greatest team of all time in 2019, 2020 with Joe Burrow and all them. Um, and then the last couple of years have been disappointments. Obviously the COVID year, a lot of issues, Jamar sits out, stuff like that. Then last year you have coach O that gets fi- or coach O that gets fired or let go or whatever it is. Um, I think a lot of people forgot that like LSU is a marquee elite college football program. Um, and you can see that when they play teams like Alabama and those, these atmosphere, their fans, their stadium, um, I said this earlier to, I think, Brandon, there's very few places I think I would play over LSU. I think LSU's got to be one of the top five places I would play if I could play anywhere in the country. Um, and I mean, and, and they have a new coach in Brian Kelly, but he's an established coach. He's won everywhere he's been. I think people were underestimating LSU going in just because of maybe the way Brian Kelly left Notre Dame. And obviously he wasn't able to win these big games at Notre Dame, but it's a lot easier to win at LSU than it is Notre Dame. Notre Dame has a lot of restrictions to who you can recruit, the type of um, students that they want at their school. LSU is more of, we want good football players at our school. Academics is, is probably more of a, of a second tier to, to football. So, you know, credit to Brian Kelly, credit to LSU. Obviously, America wins when, when Alabama loses, especially America definitely wins when Alabama loses two games because that means that it's pretty much guaranteed we will not have to see them in the college football playoff. Um, which is a win for most people outside of the state of Alabama. So credit to Brian Kelly, credit to LSU. The field storming at the end, I don't love it, but I think, one, it, you're beating Alabama. It's a huge rivalry. I get it. And two, the way that you, that you end that game where you, you say, I'm going to you know, I'm gonna take control of this game. I'm either going to win it or lose it, like Brandon said to me last night on my own terms. I respect that. It's a gutsy move. Um, I think a lot of times the, the saying is if you're at home and you have the momentum – why not just take it? You need two yards and see if you can get two yards and, and end the game there. So I, I like it. I, I understand the field storming. I, I don't hate it. There's a lot worse ones that, that I've seen. So again, credit to LSU, credit to Brian Kelly. Um, they are still absolutely in control to win their division of the SEC. They're still in, you know, they have control of their own destiny to win out and, and go to go to Atlanta and play in the SEC championship game against Georgia. So um, impressive win, a great game. Yeah, and I... It's just crazy. Like this was such an insane week. I I fully agree with everything Brian Kelly did. Um, you know, you're playing Alabama. Alabama goes down and scores. They kick the extra point. If you're up first, that's what you got to do. You got to get your seven points. When you go second and you go down, I don't care if you're home or away. And I know home. It's like, oh, if you're home, you go for it. If you're away, you kick the the point. No, put the game in your hands. That your quarterback who's been balling the entire game. Make a play to win the game. And they, they put up with a perfect play. And, uh, you know, Ben, we, we talked about our dear friend Mason pointed this out. I think you pointed this out as well. or so, I, don't, I don't remember. Someone pointed this out. This is the same play that killed Alabama six years ago um, yeah. to, to reach the national championship against Clemson. Um, Clemson doing the little pick play. I believe it was to Renfro, correct? Or it was, yeah. It was to Renfro. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, from Watson, of course. And, you know, they, they now got to look through, you know, how can we defend the pick play, uh, you know, roll out to the right. 
type of ordeal. But I told my dad before the play happened, I was like, they should roll out to the right side and let him, let the, excuse me, the quarterback decide, do I take it with my legs or do I throw a pass? And it was the perfect play. Um, I, I love the tenacity to go for it. Uh, you don't don't let Alabama get the ball back. Don't even get, let them get the chance. This was the, the perfect thing to do, and LSU deserved to win this game because of that. So very, very, very impressed from them. Trevor, any any other college football games or, or uh, topics that you'd like to discuss? Yeah, uh, just a note I was looking up while you guys were talking. Uh, Alabama's history like in the college football playoff, this, if they would miss this year, this would only be the second time they didn't get in. I believe there's been... I don't know, about eight years of running. They missed it in 2019. In 2019, um, I believe they did not reach it. But other than that, I think uh, they've been there basically every year. So definitely a rarity there. Um, Georgia-Tennessee, obviously we we were hoping for an awesome game. It wasn't that. Uh, Georgia, you know, was in control basically from start to finish. They won this game 27-13. to 13. Kind of unfortunate. I was hoping for a really good game, but... Georgia really took control of that game, uh, kind of, uh, I guess, you know, once again, uh, establishing, you know, how great of a team they are, how dominant, even when there were concerns earlier in the season, um, they're, they're one of the top teams. Other than that, Notre Dame beating Clemson, a huge upset. Uh, Clemson, I mean, I think I remember saying that this Clemson team, they didn't look super convincing to me. They were winning a lot of tight games against competition that didn't seem all that great. And now here, uh, Notre Dame beats them by three touchdowns, 35, 14. So bad result for Clemson there. Um, it's going to be tough for them. I, I don't really see a way that they can make the college football play. I guess it's possible because they have one loss, but seems pretty difficult to me for Clemson, uh, to make it, but it's going to be interesting now because, uh, you know, we, we got some, Interesting results yesterday that shook up the college football playoff. TCU, a team that maybe people didn't expect, but they are still undefeated. Uh, they are now in a prime position to maybe grab that number four spot potentially in the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting to see how these last few weeks play out. Yeah, 100%. I think you look at like a team like uh, TCU, um, you look at a team like Oregon, those teams are, are they're going to slip up, I think, above uh, Clemson. For kind of that fourth spot, um, and it's gonna be interesting to see how this how this pans out with Alabama losing again. <coughs> Excuse me. We definitely have an interesting proposition for the college football playoff. Um, but let's move on here. Oh wait, wait, wait. Before we move on, I do want to mention one thing, gentlemen. Our uh, our Bowling Green State University Falcons are now five and four. We are one game away from being bowl eligible. For the first time since 2015, I believe, Ben, uh, yeah. is that right? Yep, 2015. Um, since, they haven't been to a bowl game since we enrolled at, at that school. Interesting, interesting. Maybe we were the curse, but uh, I won't say that quite yet. Um, I very badly want them to be bowl eligible. They have The next game up is at home versus Kent State. Kent State got to win that. That's Kent a State win. stinks. The next two games are against Toledo, Toledo and OU, who are two of the yeah. better teams both away. Two of the better teams in the uh, the MAC. So, like, I just wanted to give a shout out because that that's our boys right there. If that game is close to us, uh, Ben, I know I'm dragging your butt with me there, Trevor. Hopefully, I can get you there with me as well. Um, but I, I'm gonna go if it's close. If it's close, we'll have to see. Uh, but let's let's keep on moving on here to, of course, the NBA. Um, and look, Trevor, we're we're almost ten games through the season here for most teams. Um, and I, I look, I'm gonna be honest with you, Trevor. I saw the Cavs play on Wednesday. Saw them play the Celtics. The Cavs are I have here seven and one. 
They're balling. Donovan Mitchell looks like a full-blown star out there. Um, so, any thoughts on the NBA uh, before, you know, I'm sure I'll, you're going to want me to talk a little bit about what I saw on Wednesday. Yeah, for sure. So, obviously, this NBA week has been largely, uh, like, the headlines have been basically stolen by Kyrie Irving, the Brooklyn Nets, and Josh Primo. Like, all of the storylines are about those things. It's pretty unfortunate because of all the great basketball. So, I'm not here to talk about all the drama, the nonsense. That's been talked about literally anywhere you go. All of the headlines, it's about, oh, Steve Nash is out as the head coach. Kyrie Irving, all this drama uh, and everything that ensued there. The Brooklyn Nets are just a mess that shows by their uh, their record, the play uh, that they have been, the form that they've been in lately. So the Brooklyn Nets are kind of a mess, four and six. Um, but what I want to go to first, I guess, is the Western Conference because if you guys look at the Western Conference, anyone listening, uh, if you look at the standings right now, you might be like, um, wait a second, why are the Warriors 3-7? and seven? Why are they third to last in the West? Why are the Utah Jazz second in the West? They're 7-3. and three. It's pretty wild. Um, and it's it's a lot of things uh, that are going on that, are very, that have been very unexpected this season um, in the Western Conference. Uh, with Golden State, um, for so many years now, it seems like they've been such a deep team. You know, they've had a lot of depth, and, you know, even on nights where maybe Steph Curry's not having the best night, Clay Thompson's not having the best night, you have other guys like a Sean Livingston or an Andre Iguodala, um, you know, so many other guys that have kind of stepped up in their place. Um, but this season, so far, it hasn't been the case. Their defense has been very bad. They're giving up about 121 points per game, which um, that's got to be near the bottom for sure. Uh, so their defense has not been very good. Um, the James Wiseman experience has not been good. It's still been tough. He still looks like he's not ready, um, to play NBA basketball and, you know, so that hasn't been great so far. Um, I, I don't, I, it might be time to kind of move away from the James Wiseman thing. I don't think he's fully ready. And, you know, I, I guess the regular season, you're trying to test things out. You're trying to see what works, but you also got to win games. And right now the Warriors aren't really doing so, so uh, they have to, you know, just kind of lock in and play the lineups that, that's going to give them the best chance of winning here. Or we might look up 25, 30 games in, and they could be struggling to get a playoff spot. You know, I know that sounds crazy, but right now they're 3-7, and seven, so they have to uh, turn around a little bit. Um, now the good side of, um, or I guess the team that's doing better, outperforming their expectations, the Utah Jazz, just again, like, what they have done is so surprising to me. I mean... With a guy like Laurie Markkinen, who started his career with the Bulls, was never really all that great. He was supposed to be known as like this, oh, he can knock down threes, he can stretch the floor, um, but he can also be, you know, in the paint, he can rebound for you. And he wasn't a very good three-point shooter for all those years, but he's he's kind of found a way to be effective scoring uh, in the paint. He's been a pretty good defender as well for the Utah Jazz. It's very surprising. Um, and then you have Kelly Olynyk. Kelly Olynyk former uh, Miami Heat player. He also played with a few other teams as well. He's now found a really good uh, landing spot here in Utah for him. And Utah 7-3, and three, again, it's pretty crazy, but they've been really good. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, who are at the top of the West, just like they were last year, are playing very well. Devin Booker has been awesome to start the season. DeAndre Ayton, Mikal Bridges, playing very well. Um, you know, so this Phoenix Suns team obviously... Uh, playing well, but if you just look down at the standings here, I mean, you got Phoenix number one 
in the West. The Utah Jazz are two. Memphis is three. Portland's four. You know, so I guess Phoenix and Memphis, those two aren't super surprising. But the Utah Jazz and Portland to be in the top four, I don't think anyone was really predicting that, especially the Utah Jazz. So we'll see how this continues to evolve in the West. I would imagine things will you know, continue to maybe get more back to what we originally expected or at least closer to that. But so far, the Utah Jazz and the Portland Trailblazers are wildly outperforming their expectations. Um, now, if we get to the East, which is, you know, kind of where I want to involve Brandon here, we got the Milwaukee Bucks who are at 9-0 in first place in the East, the Cleveland Cavaliers 7-1, followed by the Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks uh, at 6-3. and and the top of the East right now, I really think there's kind of a top three. I, I think there is. I think it's Milwaukee, Boston, and Cleveland. I think Cleveland is part of that top three based on what we've seen. I think, yes, like teams can come out. They can play really well early, and you could really be like, well, maybe some of this is fluky. Maybe it's not sustainable. But when I look at the Cavs and I watch them play, I think it will be sustainable. I mean— the way this team is built with the two great defenders in the front court and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley with the two great, you know, all-star guards, I would say Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland uh, in the backcourt. Donovan Mitchell is a really elite scorer. Uh, Darius Garland is also a good scorer, but he's more known as like this awesome creator. It's just a really good balance. And obviously the one question mark would be that three spot. It, it still kind of is. But at the moment, they're getting great production out of guys like Karis LeVert, Dean Wade, um, those two in particular. With Karis LeVert uh, really playing better than I expect him to. He's shooting very well from three. And I think the Cavs are the best three-point shooting team uh, in terms of percentage in the league right now. So maybe that's one area where you could say, okay, three-point shooting, maybe that comes back down to earth a little bit. But overall, the fact that Darius Garland has only played in like a game and a half or, or three, two and a half games, whatever it's been now for the Cavs, they haven't even like reached what they could be, in my opinion. So the fact that they're seven and one, most of those games without Garland, there's a lot of room for them to grow. And uh, I think it's sustainable. But I, w- I want to hear what you think, Brandon. You were there. You got to see the atmosphere uh, in their game against the Celtics. What did, what did you think? And I guess that's kind of the first thing is the atmosphere. Like how was, you know, you hear Cavs fans uh, after the game, you're walking out of the arena. What, what was that like? I think, you know, Cleveland fans in general are pretty irrational. They are. And um, I think, you know, if you look at some of the other teams, it's kind of like, oh, I don't understand the hope here. This Cavs team, Trevor, was full of life. It felt like... Every ball that was on the ground, they were going for They wanted to win the game so badly. This meaningless regular season game, it really doesn't matter. But this Cavs team is young. They're hungry. It seems like they want to make a you know a huge splash in the NBA, um, you know, and be like, hey, we're we're you know we're a legitimate contender. Um, and that's really what it felt like. It felt like a playoff game. Like that's the best way to describe it. And I know it's two good teams going at each other's necks. It went to over or uh, yeah, it went into overtime. Sorry. Um, you know, last second shot by Jalen Brown almost went in. It was crazy. But this Cavs team, they're deep, Trevor. That's the biggest thing. They're deep. They have meaningful bench uh, players and meaningful bench minutes. Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are just such unique players. They can score from all three levels, um, and, and they're both exceptional. There's so many role players that make huge impacts. I'm going to be honest, Trevor. I think this Cavs team has a very good shot 
of winning a championship this year. And I, I swear, I, I actually mean this. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I, I really think that it's true. This seems like a very, very alive team. Like, it seems like they just want to win every time they touch the floor. Uh, there won't be a lot of load management from this team, in my opinion. Um, and they, they're going to be good for a long time. A long, long time, Trevor. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love what they have, you know, that they're getting started here. It's it's a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of excitement in uh, the Cleveland area. So that's always good uh, because, you know, some of their other sports teams aren't very good. So it's good that the Cavs, you know, are bringing some life, I guess, to Cleveland. Um, but that's kind of, uh, I guess the only other thing I wanted to mention is just really just a continuation of kind of what I've been thinking since the NBA season started, like the talent in the league has been awesome. The competition so far has been awesome. Even some of the worst teams, you'll watch them and you'll be like, wait, this team's supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league? Like, they look pretty good. Like, the Orlando Magic are the perfect example for this. Watching their game against the Kings, and they did lose yesterday on a buzzer beater, which that was an incredible game. Uh, De'Aaron Fox hit the buzzer beater three to beat them in overtime. But the Orlando Magic, who were 2-8, and eight, they're fun to watch because Paolo Bancaro, uh, probably the favorite for Rookie of the Year right now, he looks like he's been in the league for five, six years already. He looks like a veteran. Uh, he's scoring it well. He's getting, you know, rebounds. You have Bull Bull, who's, you know, playing very well as well. You got Franz Wagner, former Michigan alum. He's playing really well. Like, they just have a really solid young team. Um, and it's just crazy, you know, the level of talent that's kind of in the NBA right now that even the worst teams are super fun to watch. And there's like a... You, you look at them and there's something that stands out that you're like, yes, I want to go watch the Orlando Magic because of this. And they have that, just as some of these other teams have, like the Detroit Pistons. They have Kate Cunningham, Jay Nivey. Like, even the worst teams have reasons to watch them. And that's that's awesome. That's why I enjoy watching the NBA so much. Yeah, and I, I, I honestly, I think this year, I, you're right, just the level of talent that's in the league has grown so so much um and i think we're gearing up obviously this is in quite a while but the playoffs are going to be very very good this year very very good um because there is that level of talent it's so high so we'll we'll kind of have to see um let's keep on moving along here uh we have college basketball starting tomorrow trevor it's insane that that's even a thing like it's somehow we're in november at this point um which is just crazy but look we got college basketball starting um a lot of good teams uh, in college basketball this year, I feel like all, it's it's interesting. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's not like one team that's just nuts this year. Like normally we have like a Duke team that's crazy or Villanova that brings everyone back, something like that. But I feel like this year's a little bit more mellow. We have a, just a lot of very solid teams, uh, which I think is better for college basketball. Um, so Trevor, I know we you know we want to go over the conferences a little bit. Where would you like to start uh, in our college basketball topic today? Yeah, so just just a few uh, big storylines quickly. Um, this is kind of, and, and I guess what I'll say is, you know, reading through the Almanac, which is a really good preview, college basketball preview, if you haven't heard about it, you can still get it. I think it's like 14 bucks. It's about eight, 800 pages, and it goes in depth with literally every single team. It's, it's very informative, very good. Um, and the biggest thing they mention is how, like, uh, the bigs are so good. Like, kind of, it's kind of like the year of the big. Like, you look at... Uh, a lot of the best players in college basketball, most of them are bigs. I mean, you just go through like Oscar Shibway from Kentucky, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. Um, you know, Duke has, uh, you know, the five-star. 
uh, freshmen that they have and, uh, you know, Derek Lively. You, you could just go through. There's so many great bigs in, you know, all of these conferences. And that's kind of a huge storyline. Additionally, with coaching, you know, we've kind of been talking about the past couple of years how there's like there's been this generation of coaches that we kind of grew up with that, you know, me personally watching college basketball since around, you know, I don't know, 05, 06, something like that. There's always been these coaches at the top, like a Coach K, a Roy Williams, a Jim Beheim, um, you know, a lot of these uh, coaches that are at the top that have been here for so long and we're starting to see kind of a new type of era. Like Duke, you have obviously John Shire coming in to replace Coach K. It's his first year. You have uh, Kyle Neptune for Villanova coming in to replace Jay Wright. Um, and then Jim Beheim, he's still hanging on somehow. He's like 77. He's still coaching, which is wild. Shows how much he loves uh, coaching the game of basketball. Um, but I think that's another uh, storyline. So just a few interesting things um, overall, I guess, overarching. Now, when we get into some of these conferences, I, I agree with what you said. There's no team that stands out where you're like, this team is going to dominate. I don't really see that. There's certainly... Uh, you know, uh, quite a few teams at the top, like a, a Houston, a Gonzaga, a North Carolina, Kentucky, those four, those are the top four in the AP poll. I think it's pretty fair assessment. Those four teams all look really good on paper. And um, a couple of them, Houston, North Carolina, are teams that are returning a lot of talent off of teams that were very good last year. So a lot of proven talent. But I'm going to go through the seven power conferences um, just, you know, we can go one by one. We can kind of go through them quickly, but the first of which is the ACC. Now, when I look at the ACC, I think North Carolina is right to be at the top of the ACC because they're returning most of what was a team that went to the national championship game. They have Armando Baycott come back. They have Caleb Love coming back. Almost, I think their entire starting lineup outside of Brady Manick is coming back. And they managed to replace Brady Manick with a, a Northwestern transfer and Pete Nance, who Pete Nance actually uh, is from Northeast Ohio. I forget what high school he came from, um, but it's in the Northeast Ohio area where Pete Nance is originally from. He's a he's like a forward. So he'll kind of be filling that uh, four spot, I guess you could call it, that Brady Manick was in. And they're still a really good team. Now you have Duke. You can look at Duke with the talent, Virginia. Obviously, they have Tony Bennett still, so they're always in the mix. But for me, North Carolina is the top team. That's who I would pick to win it. They have the experience. Duke, yes, they have a lot of talent. They have the five stars, Derek Lively, Dariq Whitehead. However, I think both those guys are coming off of injuries. Dariq Whitehead, we don't know exactly when he's going to return. Um, so I would pick North Carolina. Um, and then Duke is probably in that second spot. And then if I were to go with a dark horse, a team to watch out for, it would be the Miami Hurricanes because the Miami Hurricanes, last year they had some tournament success. Isaiah Wong, he returns. They have a couple other guys that are important that return on a team that went all the way to, I want to say, the Elite Eight last year. So Miami's a team to watch out for, but North Carolina is my pick. Um, ben, I'm going to go to you. Um, what are some of your thoughts on the ACC? I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the same thing. Like, if you look at North Carolina, I mean, they bring back, a, a, like you said, a, a, most of the players from their, their championship game run last year. And, that, I, like, to me, that's so valuable because if you see the teams that make runs in tournament, yeah, obviously you have teams like Kentucky that are very much one-and-done players. But a lot of the times, more often than not, the teams that make Final Four runs are teams that have experienced players because there's nothing – you can't replicate a 
run through an NCAA tournament in a practice. You can't simulate it. It's something like you have to learn from those experiences. And having veterans on that team that that have gone through and know what it takes from personal experiences to make a run like that, because the NCAA tournament's unlike anything that we see in any other sport, um, that's very valuable. So obviously North Carolina, I think, is rightfully so the number one team in that conference. I, I would agree with you. I'd pick them. I just think um, they, they've shown that they can do it last year with a lot of the similar pieces this year. Um, in an ACC that I'm not going to say it's down, but like I feel like, look, I mean, just looking at the top 25, I think there's only three teams that are ranked in the top 25 preseason, which I feel like maybe, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like that's low. I, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of these teams that that are middle of the pack college basketball teams this year that you would tend to see a little bit higher. Obviously, you still have, you know, established figures like Bayheim at, at Syracuse or whatever, but um, North Carolina to me, easy answer, but it seems like, like if I had to place a bet on who's going to win the ACC, North Carolina just makes the most sense both on paper and what I've seen from last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brendan, I don't, I don't know if you want to make a prediction. You, you don't have to. We could we can move on because we have seven conferences to get to. But uh, if, yeah, if you yeah. Let's keep on thoughts. moving on. Let's keep on moving on because we got a lot gotcha. of conferences. Cool. So uh, next up is the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve, a conference which in the past few years it's it's pretty much been Baylor or Kansas. Who who's going to win the Big Twelve? Uh, historically, um, it's been Kansas that's basically dominated, but Baylor is now in that same tier. They've staked their claim. Um, Scott Drew has got them to, to a place where they won a national championship, and consistently now they're bringing in like top-level talent too. I mean, they just brought in a five-star, I, I guess you would consider him a guard, Keontae George. I think he's about 6'5". He's a, he's a bigger guard, but he's um, an exceptional talent, uh, top-10 recruit. And I think has a really good chance um, to be a top ten and be a draft pick, honestly, next year. Keontae George looks really good. I was watching a little bit of his highlights last night. Um, looks like he's going to be a great addition to a Baylor team that once again is going to be awesome. Obviously, Kansas, um, you know, they're Kansas. Like <laughs> they're going to be good pretty much every year. Um, it's pretty much what we've come to expect from Bill Self. So those are the top two teams. I I don't know. For me, it's kind of like a coin flip on which team's going to win it. I mean, these teams, and a coin flip, that's funny because if you look in the AP poll, they actually have the same amount of votes. Um, so they're like tied for uh, being ranked fifth in the country, which is pretty nuts. They both have 1,200 votes in the AP poll, um, which I think is about right. I honestly think I'd lean Baylor just because I think the upside of what this team can be with the talent, I think is a little bit better than Kansas. The only thing that I'm concerned about with Baylor is obviously some of their injury history that they have had uh, recently, um, you know, with some of their players. But they do have Adam Flagler um, coming back. Obviously, I mentioned Keontae George. Um, and they're just a very, very talented team. So I would lean Baylor. The other team that you might look, and Ben and I were talking about this before, we were talking about TCU because TCU is ranked 14th. TCU is returning pretty much everyone off of a team who – I think they were, um, they played Arizona in the round of 32. They almost beat Arizona, um, and they're returning pretty much everyone off that team. So another team that's going to be interesting there in the Big 12. But Ben, uh, you know, any thoughts? Do you think it's, if, if you're going to take uh, Kansas and Baylor, if you have Kansas and Baylor versus the field, which one, are you, which are you taking to win the Big 12, Kansas or Baylor or the field? I'm taking Kansas or Baylor. I, I mean, I, there's just, it's so hard for me to go against either of those two teams um, because they've they've proven that they can win time and time again. You have two coaches in Bill Self and Scott Drew that have done nothing but win since they've really gotten to their respective programs. 
Um, and again, like we've said this for years now, the Big 12 is a very deep conference. It's been a deep conference for a while. Um, but those two teams, not just in terms of their conference, but just in terms of college basketball in general, are at the very top of, of the sport. Um, it's hard for me to see someone other than those two teams, even though, yeah, like you said, you got TCU that's ranked preseason pretty high, and you have you have other decent programs in that conference. It's hard for me to see someone else winning. So um, I would absolutely take take Kansas or Baylor, and if I had to pick between the two, I know Kansas is the defending national champions, but there's something about Baylor that I think I said this last year at some point. They've they've to me they've gotten to the status in the Big Twelve where until maybe this was after they beat Gonzaga in the national championship a couple years ago, but until they have proven me otherwise, I'm gonna have a lot of faith in Baylor and I'm gonna put all my chips in them to win their conference because of what Scott Drew has done and the type of basketball that they play. He he recruits and a lot of coaches you can say do this, but I really do think he recruits the perfect types of players for the way that he runs his team. Um, and it's been very impressive to watch him do it. So if I had to pick just between those two, I'd say Baylor and I, I'm going to continue to say that until maybe Kansas wins another national championship. But until then, I'm going to keep saying the, the, uh, Baylor Bears. Awesome. Well, let's move on to the next conference. I'll go through, go through this one quickly. It's the big East. Um, now the big East is interesting because Creighton is favored. I don't know when the last times Creighton has been favored to win this conference. Usually it's Villanova almost every year. Um, and I actually, again, it's kind of weird to call this a hot take, but based on what people are saying, it is a hot take. But I think Villanova is going to win this conference. I'm, I'm looking at their team down the line. I know Creighton's returning a lot. They have Ryan Kalkbrenner and, you know, some of these other guys that they're returning off of a team that was, you know, a pretty decent team last year. And I could see why they would be favorite in this conference, but I look at this Villanova team and they're still like, it's not like they lost a ton. Like, yes, they lost Colin Gillespie. Um, I get that. And Justin Moore, obviously he's still dealing with that injury. We don't know when Justin Moore is going to come back, but even without Justin Moore, I still think they have a lot of talent. Cam Whitmore, the five-star that's coming in with all of this experience that Villanova has and, and uh, Kyle Neptune, I get he's stepping in first year as head coach, but this team still has a lot of experience, and Cam Whitmore, I think, is going to be one of the best freshmen in the country this year. So I lean Villanova slightly over Creighton to win the Big East. Uh, rounding out the top four, I think, would probably be, for most people, and me included, UConn, and then Xavier, a team that, that Ben definitely uh, does not really like. Uh, but No one likes them. That's just a, that's a fact. <laughs> they're, they're America's least favorite team. Yeah, that's kind of top four. But uh, Ben, any, any thoughts on the Big East? Yeah, I mean, it. I would, I would always just pick Villanova because it was the easiest bet. But with no Jay Wright, I don't know. I mean, like Creighton seems like they got a lot of hype. I'm not gonna act like I know anything about any of the teams in the Big East, but it seems like Creighton has a lot of hype. They've been a consistent, a consistent program, um, really since they've joined the Big East. They really haven't. They've never had like a like a blow up season where they're bottom tier of the Big East. So, um, it seems like Creighton's got a lot of promise this year. I'm gonna maybe put too much into the fact that Jay Wright's not at Villanova anymore, and I'll, I'll, I'll predict, or I will make my official pick for Creighton to win the Big East. Definitely not Xavier. I would never pick them. So um, <laughs> if it's between Creighton and, and if it's between Creighton and Villanova, I'm picking Creighton. Yeah, very, very fair There's, pick. Just, I just want to point out, I, I, I'm going to pick Xavier to win the conference. Oh. I mean, that's fine, but <laughs> considering you don't know anything about college basketball, that's just an, an unintelligent. <laughs> considering no, you didn't no, know I until actually, today that so it started I, yesterday, it, it really started tomorrow. 
you're proving that you just don't know anything. About it was an educated stuff. decision, and I picked Which I don't know Xavier. a whole lot, but and it has nothing fine. to do with you, Ben. Because <laughs> I just really wanted to pick Xavier. Well, you I I, again, like I respect your opinion. It's just like <laughs> you, I, you're accepting defeat, and you know you're not going to be right. So it's like, uh huh, uh huh, right, right, right. Well, you agree with uh, Matt Norlander from CBS. He also picked Xavier. I was listening to their podcast Gross. yesterday. Um, next conference up, Big Ten. Uh, Brandon, we can hear a little bit. Uh, I want to hear a little bit from you on the Big Ten. Um, but I think that Illinois should actually be the favorite of this conference. Now, the Big Ten is a league that really, in my opinion, has no great team. I don't think I don't really think any of these teams are going to win national. I mean, well, yeah, I have a national championship pick. The, the team is not in the Big Ten. Uh, that's for sure. And I don't think I, if I'm listing, I could probably go through 15 teams uh, that I would pick to win the national championship over anyone in the Big Ten, to be honest with you. But they have a lot of teams that are kind of bunched in there, that are all good. No one's great. I think there's a like a top, honestly, there's like eight teams that like you can look through these top eight and it's like, I don't know, like even like, so I, so I have Iowa as like my, I was just doing like, went through quickly. I have Iowa as the eighth best team in the Big Ten. But if Iowa somehow won the Big Ten, I don't think I'd be shocked. But I do lean Illinois. Um, I kind of like, you know, they how they added a couple transfers. They have um, uh, the young guy that's a lot of people are saying might break out RJ Melendez for Illinois. I get they lost Kofi Coburn, but I'm looking at uh, how Illinois has been such a solid team for the last couple of years with Brad Underwood, with kind of the transfers they have coming in. I think they have a really solid team. Um, this The point guard, Sky Clark's getting a lot of hype. So I lean them over in Indiana over Michigan State, over a Michigan personally, but I could see why other people might go with uh, one of those other teams. But um, Brandon, I, I guess I'm going to get a couple of your thoughts on the Big Ten. Uh, a- anything you have about Michigan? Yeah, look, Michigan's going to be a player this year, um, and they're going to be good. This, this to me, I feel like every time I say Michigan's not going to be great, they end up being really, really good. Um, but this just feels like a year that, like, I feel like next year is going to be a big jump for them. Hunter Dickinson's great. He, he'll be up for player of the year between him and, I know there's the, the, the kid on Indiana who's great. Um, what's the the Indiana guy's name, Trevor? Tra- Trace Jackson Davis. Yes, yeah, I, I know he's just fabulous. I'm sure Hunter Dickinson will compete uh, for the Big Ten player of the year. Um, probably will lose out to, the, to that guy. I know he's really, really wonderful. Um, but Mich- look, Michigan has a good opportunity to win the conference. Do I think they're going to do it? No, no, I I, I don't. Uh, I think they'll do well. They'll definitely make the tournament. Um, maybe even make a run. I'll tell you this though, Trevor. I do know who's going to come in last place in the division, and I feel very confident in my answer here. Uh, would you like to hear who I think that is? Uh, is it like Nebraska or Rutgers or something? No, it's none of those teams. It's Michigan <laughs> State. I mean, they're the worst team in college sports, and frankly, all sports. Um, and they deserve to be at the end. So I'm placing them as the 14th finisher in the Big Ten. Well, I will Very say, educated pick. Well, I will say, uh, in my little rankings I did last night, I have Michigan State finishing ahead of Michigan, actually. I have Michigan State uh, finishing third, and I have Michigan finishing fourth. Uh, mm, okay, ben, that seems ben, wrong. What do you think about that? Do you, do you agree with me, Ben? Uh, I agree with you in some aspects. Obviously, I mean... I don't know how you couldn't put Michigan State at number one. I think it's pretty clear they're going to win the division or the uh, the conference. 
I don't really think it's a question. He, here's I mean, me pick Xavier, it's, and it's now been, he thinks Michigan State. Well, I was going to – trust me, Brandon. I was going to pick Michigan State regardless. You know, actually, Brandon, the other day, I, <laughs> I'm strongly considering buying a Michigan State shirt just so I could wear it and take pictures and send it to you. I have no, no allegiance to them whatsoever. But you're making me be a fan of them. And, like, how can you not be? Tom Izzo, one of the greatest college basketball coaches Sucks. in history. Michigan State clearly and will always be the strongest basketball program in the state of Michigan. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's hard not to like the program. It's hard not to like the guy. It's hard for me not to put them number one. They're clearly the best team. They really don't have a whole lot of competition in the Big Ten. Um, I think it's just uh-huh. absolutely asinine if you if you think that anyone else could possibly win the the conference other than Michigan State. Go Sparty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, let's make a bet on that then, Benny. Um, what? That they're not going <laughs> to finish last? We can make that bet. No, that they're going to win the division. I think they won't win the division. You could, you I, could I just do Michigan State. You could just do Michigan State versus Michigan, who will finish ahead of. Let's each, just do like, this. In the Big I 10. think they're coming in first. You think they're coming in last? So if they finish in the top half, I win. If they finish in the bottom half, you win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, that's a good bet. <laughs> I will have to decline. All right. All right. What's our uh, what's our next conference here? All right. So next up, we got the Pac-12. Uh, Pac-12. The top of the conference for me. Uh, is Arizona, UCLA, and Oregon. Those are kind of the top three. And I think it's in that order. I think Arizona, UCLA, it's kind of a toss-up for me. You can argue for either one. I personally lean Arizona. Um, just looking at some of the talent they have, um, they still have Kirk Kreeza coming back, uh, the the forward, Tabellis. Um, they got uh, Ballo, the backup. I think he was the backup center last year. He's coming in. And when I saw him play last year, like for Arizona when Coloco was off the floor, I thought he was – pretty darn good. So I think Arizona, yes, they, I get that they lost like arguably their three best players um, in Dalen Terry, Ben Matherin and Christian Coloco, but they still have a lot of talent. Uh, this was a talent filled team last year. I mean, I, I picked Arizona to win national championship when we got to uh, the tournament time. I think this team's still going to be pretty solid, not quite as good as last year, but they'll be really good. I have them slightly over UCLA. UCLA still going to be very solid team. Um, they have, uh, Hami Hawkes coming back. They have, uh, Tiger Campbell as well returning. Uh, they have, uh, the freshman Amari Bailey, who we have seen play, um, for Sierra Cannon. He's coming in there as a freshman in that backcourt. So UCLA, they'll also be a really good team, but I lean slightly Arizona over them. And then I have Oregon who Oregon, honestly, just looking at their roster, they have a ton of talent. Um, but I, I do still lean Arizona and UCLA with their track records above Oregon um so that's the Pac-12 um Ben a- anything on on the Pac-12 before we move on to the next one so Arizona for me I- I'm gonna pick Arizona I, I love you said I, lo- I love Mick Cronin don't get me wrong but Arizona similarly to North Carolina in my opinion they have they had a very young team last year and having that experience um I picked them to win the whole thing last year um but still having the experience of, of making a run winning a few games in the, in the NCAA tournament I think is very valuable so um I, I like Arizona a lot. I love their program. They're they're a winning program. Um, in a Pac-12, that's not great, but there are a lot. There are a lot of decent teams in the Pac-12. A lot of places that are hard to play that you might not think that uh, that that are difficult places to play. Um, but I, I I just think that experience from last year. I, I do think it's very valuable. I will never underestimate um, or underrate experience on in terms of especially a college basketball team. So if I had to pick, I, I'd pick Arizona over UCLA, but I think both teams are great. I like both teams a lot. I think they're both very fun to watch. Um, and when they play each other, I think, think they're going to be marquee games, absolutely. But I'll pick Arizona to win the Pac-12. Awesome. Uh, second to last, SEC. 
SEC Kentucky is the favorite. I think they're rightly the favorite. Uh, look at all the talent they have year in, year out. Um, I, I, I think this Kentucky team is going to be really good. I think they're going to be, again, they're ranked fourth in the AP poll. I think that's pretty accurate. That's about where I would put them as well. A lot of talent. Um, I think they definitely have a chance to win the national championship this year. They, to me, are the pick in the SEC. Um, but there's a lot of other good teams in the SEC. It, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and I think one of them asked another question of like, how many how many five-star prospects do you think the SEC enrolled this season versus the Big Ten? And the SEC, I believe, had nine five-star prospects in this class alone. The Big Ten only had one. And that's a, a pretty big disparity. And I think we're starting to see the SEC become a big powerhouse in college basketball. I mean, they are slowly becoming... Uh, I mean, I think they're in contention to be the best conference this season because... You know, outside of Kentucky, you have Arkansas, who has two great five stars in Anthony Black and uh, why am I forgetting the name of the other guy? Nick Smith. Nick Smith and Anthony Black. Really good with Eric Musselman at the coach. You have Alabama. Obviously, they've been bringing in a lot of talent. Nate Oates, we obviously know him well from Buffalo. Now he's doing pretty well at Alabama. You have Tennessee. Um, New Tennessee. Not, not they don't have really the five star I guess power that you know some of these other teams have. But Tennessee, they're returning some key guys, so they're they'll be really good as well. And Auburn, Auburn, another team that now you start to see them bringing in talent. So all five of those teams are very talented, very good. Um, and I I do think Kentucky's going to win, but this is going to be a fun league as it has been uh, for the past couple years. Uh, ben, a- any thoughts on the SEC? So I'm not going to pick Kentucky to win because I don't like Kentucky and I don't like Calipari. Um, so basically then to me it comes down to like Tennessee, Arkansas. Tennessee's putting all their effort into football this year, so I don't think they can be very successful in basketball. This is just my very dumb analysis of what I'm making up on, on the spot. Um, so I'm going to pick Arkansas. I do like Eric Musselman a lot. He's, he, he is a proven winner. He's, he's made, made runs in the NCAA tournament. He's also been spotted at practice wearing Bengals gear time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a, 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 a low-key Bengals fan, which I always appreciate. Um, but I do think Arkansas is a great program. I think Musselman has done a great job rebuilding that program. Um, so I'll pick them to win the SEC. I like him. He seems like he kind of likes the Bengals, so I'll, I'll run with that. Awesome. And finally, last but not least, the American Athletic. Um, to me, this conference is Houston's to lose. Houston definitely is the favorite here, should be. Uh, they're returning you know, some great talent. Obviously, Marcus Sasser, who to me is the best guard in college basketball, I wouldn't be surprised if he won the Naismith Player of the Year award. I think he's awesome. He's coming back from a pretty big injury. Um, and I think you can, you can. can. it's reasonable to ask a question, well, is he going to be back to full strength coming off of the injury? Um, and we don't know the full answer. You know, I've, I've listened to some different podcasts, read some different things. A lot of people think he will return to full, full strength. They'll think he'll, they think he'll be fine. So I'm kind of taking them at their word for it. And, and that's why Houston is a team that I believe in so strongly this year, coming off of last year, where they were already really good, and they're returning, you know, in addition to Sasser, Tremont Mark, uh, Jamal Shedd. Like, they have a lot of talent. I think this Houston team is going to be awesome. I mean, other teams in the American, Memphis, I think they're in that number two spot for a reason. They have the talent. They have Kendrick Davis, the, talent, uh, the transfer from SMU. And then number three, I actually have uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Maybe a little bit of a distant number three, but I think they are uh, number three. Um, but Ben, any thoughts on American? Do you have Do you have any thoughts on 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 the Cincinnati Bearcats at all? 
Um, no, their coach is Wes Miller. That's literally the only thing I know <laughs> about their program. I mean, they were t- they they were terrible when 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 John Brandon was there. He he destroyed that program for a couple years after Mick Cronin left for UCLA. And I like Wes Miller. He's a younger dude. Players seem to like him. I believe he's recruiting very very well. He's had some very high recruits that have had interest in playing at at Cincinnati. Um, so I, I think they'll absolutely be a player, but in my opinion, I agree with you, Trevor, like I'm so high on Houston. I think they're phenomenal. I love Kelvin Sampson. I've been high on Houston for the last couple of years, but it seems like this is the year where they, they have a legit chance to really compete with the big boys in college basketball. Um, and that's exciting. Not to mention that I think they're one of the teams. Yeah, they're moving. I think they're moving to the big 12 next year or in the next couple of years, which is going to be a fantastic addition for the big 12, just continuing to add to their dominance in college basketball. Um, but back to Houston, I love them. I love them so much, Trevor. I told you, I had a team. I'm picking them to win the national championship. Oh, I love ben. them that much. And Trevor, I said, <laughs> I said, don't you dare have the same team as me. And now I feel like you have the same team as me. And oh. I knew you were going to have that team too, because they, to me, they seem like a trendy team. That's not like a typical blue blood. Like you look at the top of the the rest of the, the the teams. You got all these typical blue bloods in these powerhouses. I like Houston so much. I'm putting it on record the day before the season starts. I think they're going to win the national championship. Uh, you know, it doesn't make for great podcasting when people agree uh, this strong. Trevor, I knew that you were going to have the same one as me, too. That's why I was like, I know for a fact yeah. he's going to say it. He, I knew you were going to say Houston's it. Houston's been the team I've been really, like, I've been really high on Houston for, like, weeks now. Just, like, reading things, listening to things. Yeah, Houston's my pick to win the national title. I mean, you look at the comparisons, and we can go to, so we already talked about North Carolina, who they're another one. Kentucky's another one. And uh, Gonzaga, you know, which we can kind of transition into just a couple other teams because Gonzaga is another one that's not a part of, you know, well, well, Houston is a part of a power seven. They're in the, in the American, but Gonzaga isn't. But I like Houston more than Gonzaga, more than North Carolina, more than Kentucky, just because they have like a good combination of the talent, of the experience. They have a defense that's really solid. They're well coached. To me, they're the most well-rounded team. I get that Gonzaga year in, year out, they have all this talent, and one of these years, they're finally going to win the national championship, but uh, I don't know. I, I lean Houston over them, personally. Um, so yeah, that's my pick, um, and I think that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, we could talk about mid-majors, but uh, on this podcast, I, I think we don't have necessarily enough time, so that's pretty much it for me um, on college basketball. I'm super excited for the season to start tomorrow. Uh, I can't wait. It's obviously I love college basketball, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, Brandon, a- any other thoughts on college basketball? No, I'm sure I'm excited to talk about it uh, coming up this week. Um, all right, let's move on to the NFL, our final topic uh, on the day. Um, so let's look back at week eight a little bit. Um, any big takeaways that that you want to you know, talk about from, from week eight, Trevor? Yeah, so for me, with the NFL, um, last week, I think that the biggest takeaway, I, I do think a lot of things went as we expected, although, like, the, like the biggest surprise for me was probably the Bengals losing. Sorry, Ben. Uh, that was a huge surprise to me. I did not, in any world, expect the Browns to beat the Bengals, um, but obviously the chase injury is, is pretty big for them. Uh, the Raiders, I think it's finally time to admit, and Ben, you were kind of on this, the Raiders aren't good. Um, I thought they were good a couple weeks ago. I was like, this is the greatest one in 14 of all time. And they had some good results. They almost beat the Chiefs, but they lose 24 nothing to the New Orleans Saints. And I don't know. I don't know what it is with the Raiders. I don't know how they've fallen like this. They had all this talent coming into the season. They were supposed to be really solid. And they haven't been, you know. So that was a surprise to me. Didn't expect that. 
And then I think uh, just briefly, we got to talk about how that Panthers Falcons game ended last week. I mean, the, the catch from, or the throw from PJ Walker um, to DJ Moore, just an insane play that resulted in, we saw the penalty that happened and a lot of people were debating, should he have been called for that? It didn't seem like, like he was, he wasn't in the end zone. He was out of play, but it was called. And then thus they missed extra point and we go to overtime Atlanta wins, but that was interesting. And that kind of relates to our bet a little bit um, as well. I was a little upset. I was like, the Panthers could have three wins, but it didn't happen. Yeah, they, they they almost came out on top. It's amazing. I, I do still think the Lions are better. But the Panthers are in a lot of these close games. Um, and they're playing a lot of close games. So maybe, ah, maybe I'm wrong. I'm definitely more worried about my bet as of now. And the Lions almost pulled off the win against the Dolphins, which would have been really, really great. Ben, any Week 8 headlines that you want to discuss before we, we kind of move it along here? Um, I mean, the Broncos got a win over a garbage team in the Jags. Shout out to the Broncos. They got more than the two wins I predicted, but they're still not good. Honestly, just the AFC West in general has been a total dud this year. I mean, it really looks like it's coming down to, and yes, I know that the Chargers are decimated with injuries, um, but it's really looking like what it's been looking like for a while, which is the Chiefs are the class of the division, and the rest of the division is just just trying to play catch-up with the Chiefs. Um, In terms of other games, I mean, the Jets losing. I think the Jets were 5-2 and going going into last week playing the Patriots. I didn't think they were as good as their record said. They're not a bad team by any means, but they're definitely not a, a five and two football team. I think they're they're probably a five hundred team in my opinion. Um, so them losing, I think, kind of humbled them a little bit and still reminded them that they're obviously not the Bills and they might not even be the Patriots in their own division. So they still have a lot of issues, but promise for the future. I do think with them. Uh, other teams, I mean, the Vikings, I guess, are good. They're six and one again. How much do I believe in that six and one record? They're a good team, but even just in the NFC, I mean, I think the Eagles are a lot better as proven because they've played. Um, I, I I like Kirk Cousins, but it's hard for me to really have faith in Kirk Cousins leading a team to a Super Bowl or even just saying that Kirk Cousins is on a team, you know, the quarterback of the best team in the NFL. I have a hard time saying that. Um, and they played the Cardinals, who are, who are struggling a lot. But my last point, again, I'm, I think I said this last week. I'm going to continue to say this. Shout out to Geno Smith and the, and the Seattle Seahawks. I love them. They might be my favorite team now other than the Bengals in the NFL this year because they had such low expectations. I was dogging on them preseason. I didn't think they had any hope. Um, they got rid of Russell Wilson. They got some, you know, some players back, but it was like they're clearly tanking. They're not they're they have no promise this year. Um and I, they're in first place in the AFC West. They just beat the Giants who have been a fantastic team this year. I love Geno Smith. Again, he's on my fantasy team. He's been a, he's had a phenomenal year. Great story for him. Um, I really enjoy, obviously, Pete Carroll's a fantastic coach. He's, he's won, you know, he's taken that, that team to heights that it's never seen before. He's won for pretty much the entire time he's been there. Um, I, I am going to continue to root for them. I, I would love to see them win the AFC or the NFC West. I think that'd be a, a, like, you know, a fascinating and hilarious, uh, you know, uh, story or whatever, but, um, I'm going to enjoy the ride with them. I really am. I, I want to continue to see them win because it's hilarious. It, it makes no sense, but it's kind of perfectly sums up what the NFL is, which you think you have teams that are good. You think you have teams that are bad. And there's always a couple teams that are completely a surprise, whether they're terrible, they're supposed to be good or they're good and they're supposed to be terrible. Um, and that is the Seattle Seahawks. So good for them. I'm going to continue to be in their corner this year. Yeah. I, I think you guys covered the takeaways pretty well. Let's get to our scratch off. And look, guys, I'm going to be honest. I have a team that I think I want to get rid of. I, I think it's time for the Las Vegas Raiders to be scratched off. I don't think they're making the playoffs. 
Uh, they're minus 11 in the plus minus. Um, they're in a division that Ben, I, I think, should be a case study at this point, how bad this division is being. Yeah. I, I Really, the Chargers are the only team I feel like that gets a pass. I mean, they are 4-3, and three, and they have been completely destroyed by huge injuries. I mean, Keenan Allen's basically not played the whole year. But besides that, uh, the Broncos are horrible. The Raiders are horrible, and obviously the Chiefs look great. Um, and the Chargers probably would, would be better if they were healthy. But even even if the Chargers are really good, I mean, this this division's a mess. It's really a mess. I think it's time to put the Raiders uh, and, and cross them out. Uh, ben, what do you think? You got any other teams you want to you wanna cross out, or is it the Raiders' time? I think the Raiders make the most sense. Um, I... I want to say that you know the Saints, and I want to say maybe the Cardinals, but I think the Raiders are worse than both those teams. Well, clearly they're worse than the Saints. They just got destroyed by the Saints, um, and, I, and and they lost the Cardinals. So I, looking at the Raiders' schedule moving forward, they do have some fairly easy games, but they also still got to play teams like the Chiefs. They still got to play teams like the Patriots and the Rams and the Chargers and the Forty Nine ers. So they do still have a lot of the, even the Seahawks. Let's not forget the best team in the NFL, the Seahawks. So. Um, I like the Raiders. I, I'm confident. I, I would, I would, you know, second that that nominee for the Raiders to be scratched off this week. Yeah, I, I agree. The Raiders are the team I was thinking of. I think after this week, it might get pretty tough because some of these other candidates, like the Saints, as bad as the Saints might be, they play in the NFC South. So I'm like, we already crossed off the Panthers, but I'm like hesitant to cross off any team from the NFC South just because it seems like it's anyone can win it. So, so do you not want to cross off the the Raiders? No, I I said that. Yeah, I said yeah. The Raiders we cross off. Yeah. Oh, you said the South. I said the West. I said I, said, I said the Raiders. Absolutely, they're a no brainer to cross off. But next gotcha. week we're we're gonna have a tough time next week because if yeah. you look at some of these other teams in the NFC South, for example, I don't. I it's gonna be tough to cross off any team from that division because anyone can win it. Right, right, right. All right. I think the Raiders are off. Raiders are done. Um, let's get to our SPP bets. Um, all right, so let's see. Trevor, me and you have Lions versus Panthers win total. Lions have one win, Panthers have two somehow. I'm getting a little more nervous about this one. I still think I'll come out on top, but um, I'm now more nervous. Um, we have Brady versus Burrow touchdowns. Does, does anyone have that number in front of them? I yeah, know. I gotcha. Uh, let's see. Burrow's sitting at 17 this year. Um, and Brady, I cannot believe it. Brady's sitting at nine touchdowns nine. this year. Just a just a really bad year for, for Tom Brady. He only yeah, has rough. one game so far where he has more than one touchdown. He's got a three-touchdown game against the Chiefs, which they still lost. Um, not a fantastic year for, for Tom Brady this year so far. Uh, and then, Brandon, myself and you, I have yeah. Josh Allen. You have Justin Herbert touchdown passes. Josh Allen sitting at, what, 19 this year. Herbert sitting at 12. Again, Josh Allen doing exactly what we expected from him. Herbert underperforming, but he's got no receivers, and he's got a, a rib injury. So, um I love my yeah. chances in that just because of Herbert's injury status, but I mean Herbert is still capable of throwing for five touchdowns at any time, so we'll see. Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree. And our overlying bet um, was points per game. A lot um, of points scored last week. It was a high scoring week last week. It was a high scoring week. Um, the average score per team per game. Um, and look, Ben, you have twenty two point two. Trevor, you have twenty two point four, and I guess twenty two point nine. It is currently sitting at twenty one point nine. So, Ben, you are taking the win um, across the board here. Big wins for you. Um, okay. So after that, I guess we just kind of look forward to this week. Um, any games that we want to mention that are kind of big defining games that we want to look at? I definitely am looking at this Bills Jets game. 
Not saying the Jets are going to win at all, but I'm interested to see how they play against really yeah. good talent. Um, it'll be very interesting to see that. We have Chiefs-Titans. We're going to see that the Titans are pretenders. Um, and, of course, everyone's looking forward to the Ravens game on Monday. How could we not look forward for the Ravens game on Monday? Any games you guys want to mention, Ben? What are, any games besides, I mean, besides the Bengals game, of course? Yeah, I mean, I got a sneaky one for you here. Packers-Lions, I, I think that might be a pretty close game, actually. Yeah. I do, because the Lions have played high close scoring. to everyone. But yeah, absolutely high scoring. The Packers have been, for their standard, embarrassing this year. Um, I I would not be surprised if if the Lions come out on top of this game and Aaron Rodgers has to answer a lot of questions in the yeah. coming weeks if, if he's losing to the Lions. So I think that's a, a, a sneaky, underrated rain, uh, game this week. Trevor, wrap up the pod for us today. Any games you're excited about? Yeah, I mean, Bucks rams in the past would have been a massive game. This year, not quite as much. However, it's still intriguing just for the fact of both these teams have underperformed massively. Who is the bigger underperformer? <laughs> We're going to find out. Um, other than that, uh, Falcons-Chargers, I think, is just like kind of a fun one. I don't know. I think the Falcons have been uh, a fun team this year, and the Chargers, obviously— you know, they, they've kind of underperformed, so that one can be an interesting as a, one as well. Uh, but that's those are kind of the ones I would point out. All right, kind of a weird week in the NFL, to be honest. Uh, not, no, no great games. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we have some all-timers coming up here. But, look, I think we'll wrap up the pod there for today. Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. Big uh, A little shout-out I want to give real quick um, to another small baller who is not on this podcast, but on a different podcast. It is Aaron Weaver's birthday today. So happy birthday to Aaron. Happy birthday, Aaron. Oh, happy birthday, Aaron. I wonder uh, if hope you listening. have a, a wonderful 17th birthday and really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> you're becoming a, a very strong young man. Um, but all right, with that being said, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. Of course, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review. Go check out our website. The link is in the description. I'm currently working on an article that might be fun to, to, to go give a look to. Um, so stay tuned for that. That'll come out this week, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, check out the website. We got podcasts on there. We got Trevor wrote an amazing article about his top 25 players. Trevor, has that article, uh, held well for the first 10 games of the season? Overall, I think so. The one that I'm most thrilled about is, uh, my high placement of Donovan Mitchell. Adam 14. There we go. Uh, whereas most other major networks have him much lower than that. They have him, you know, Look at that. Trevor is smarter than your, your... Trevor's you're smarter than your second favorite NBA analyst, er, analyst because Don't. I know Trevor is your favorite NBA ana- uh, <laughs> analyst. Um, all right. Well, I think I'll wrap up the pod there for today. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.